Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hi, everyone. It's lovely to be here today. Um, So if you've not been here for the past few weeks, um, we've been working through the book of Hosea, and the whole of this series has been looking at the relentless love of God. And today we're finishing the series. We're in the very last chapter at the end of the book of Hosea, and we're going to be thinking about the God of welcome. So we're going to be thinking about how Hosea shows us three things about that. We're going to be thinking about what the welcome is. We're going to be thinking about how we accept the welcome and how we live in that welcome. So I'm just going to pray for us before we start, if that's okay. Father God, as we hear from you now, um, I just pray that you'll help us to open our hearts, open our minds to what you want to say to us. I pray that you'll teach us more of who you are and teach us more of who we are in you. And just speak to each and every one of us. Amen. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a background, just in case you've not been around for the past few weeks. So this is all about a group of people called the Israelites. Um, in the Bible reading today, confusingly, they will be called Ephraim, if I've said that right, um, he and Israel. So these are all the words that are used to use the same group of people um, today. And if you're wondering why does learning about a group of people from 700 BC, why does that matter to me today? Um, Well, it's relevant for us because God's heart for the Israelites in the most positive way and in the best ways, that's God's heart for us. Um, And if you want to learn more about that or know more about that, if you go to the website, if you listen to the talk that Jo did on week one of Hosea, she explained that fully and really beautifully. So go back and listen to that if you want to find out more. Now, I don't have time to go into the detail of Hosea's story. Um, and again, this is a great opportunity for you to go back and for you to listen to all the talks if you're um, more interested. So I'm just going to give you a very brief overview. So the Israelites were people who God loved, who God protected, who God provided for and rescued. And God spoke to Hosea and he directed him in how he wanted Hosea to live and the things that he wanted Hosea to say so that the Israelites could have every opportunity to know who God is and what kind of love he has for them. And the messages from Hosea, the messages that he told people, they spanned three decades 30 years of Hosea's life was living and sharing this message um, to the people. But the people of Israel um, didn't quite pay attention, although God couldn't have been clearer. Um, They started to get worried. They started to um, maybe feel a little bit insecure. They started to look around them and think there were larger nations that could protect them better. There were other people that could look after them better than God could. And they made treaties and they made alliances with these really impressive nations. And the one of them that we're thinking about today is Assyria. And it became an absolute mess for them because of that. And Hosea would come and he would show them, he'd speak strongly to them, he'd try and explain to them what God was asking of them, but they didn't listen. So this chapter, this is the final chapter of Hosea, and this is the last thing that God asks Hosea to say to his people. And it's 10 years after they didn't listen, and in that time, they made a treaty with Assyria, they got absolutely decimated by Assyria, they got wiped out, there's only a handful of them left. And God says to Hosea, I've got one more thing that I want you to tell my people. I wonder what you think that might be. I know what I'd say. <laughs> Maybe, I told you this would happen. 
I gave you every chance for you to know. In fact, loads of chances for you to know, and you still didn't listen. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go find myself a nation who will listen to me, who will respect me. Well, let's see what God said. I think God's a bit better than me, hey? In Hosea 14, I'm reading this from um, the message version. It says, Oh, Israel, come back. Return to your God. You're down, but you're not out. Prepare your confession and come back to God. Pray to him. Take away our sin. Accept our confession. Receive us restitution, our repentant prayers. Assyria won't save us. Horses won't get us where we, want us where we want to go. We'll never again say our God to something we've made or made up. You're our last hope. Is it not true that in you the orphan finds mercy? And this is what God says. I will heal their waywardness. I will love them lavishly. My anger is paid out. I'll make a fresh start with Israel. He'll burst into bloom like a crocus in the spring. He'll put down deep tree roots and he'll become a forest of oaks. He'll become splendid like a giant sequoia, his fragrance like a grove of cedars. Those who live near him will be blessed by him, be blessed and prosper like golden grain. Everyone will be talking about them, spreading their fame as the vintage children of God. Ephraim is finished with gods that are no gods. From now on, I'm the one who answers and satisfies him. I'm like a luxuriant fruit tree. Everything you need is to be found in me. And then Hosea says, if you want to live well, make sure you understand all of this. If you know what's good for you, you'll learn this inside and out. God's paths get you where you want to go. Right living people walk in them easily. Wrong living people are always tripping and stumbling. So what actually did God say? Not what I thought. He said, come back. Return to your God. You're down, but you're not out. And that's what I love about God. That's why I'm such a big fan of God. That's why I'm really happy to talk about God. Because this is who God is. This is what God does. When he has every opportunity to say, you've messed up one too many times. You've not listened one too many times. I'm actually done with you now because you've tried my patience. What does he do? He welcomes This is the God of welcome. But what does he welcome us to? Well, Hosea helps us to understand that a little bit. It's not to an experience. He's not welcoming you to a show. He's not welcoming you where he's just going to do stuff for you to make your lives better. He's not welcoming you into a contract with a genie who's going to give you three wishes. The book of Hosea is really clear that God is inviting and welcoming you into a relationship with him. And it's not just in the book of Hosea that we're showing this. Actually, it's all throughout the Bible. So if you go to the very beginning of the Bible, where God created the world and he created people, it says he created people to be in relationship with him. But people messed up, people betrayed that relationship, and then they separated themselves from God through that. But from that point on, the whole narrative of the Bible is a God who's trying to draw people back to him to be in relationship with him. And time and time again, people went against their promises, they were unfaithful, they messed up. But time and time again, just like in Hosea, God's love prevailed and he welcomed them back. And then God sorted it out once and for all to be able to have relationship that he intended with them at the very beginning, that he intended with us at the very beginning of the world. He went even further. So the Bible tells us that he sent Jesus. He sent his son. And his son came into the world so that we could understand what kind of relationship God wanted with us. We could understand the love that he had. And Jesus showed and shared that welcome in the way that he lived. 
And then he does the most bold and the most audacious thing of all, and he sacrifices Jesus. Jesus dies. And when Jesus died, he paid the, the price for all the wrong that had ever and would ever be done in the world. He paid the price so that we could now have this relationship with our Father as he does. This eternal and perfect relationship that we see when Jesus didn't stay dead, when Jesus came back from the dead to show us that it's over now. We have an opportunity for this eternal and perfect relationship with the Father God. So it's not just in Hosea, but the whole Bible is a story of a God who chose to be in relationship with us and did everything to make that happen. The welcome of God is into a relationship with him. The second thing that Hosea shows us is the welcome of God that is into a relationship is for everyone. In this um, message that God had for the people of Israel, he said, oh, Israel. He didn't say, oh, you guys that weren't as bad as the others. He said, oh, Israel, it's for everyone. And that continued for us when Jesus came. Then one of the massive things that Jesus came to say was that Jesus's God's love is for everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been born. It doesn't matter who you've been born to. It doesn't matter where you've lived. That actually now, the Bible specifically says that God so loved the world so much that he sent his son that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. Whoever. What an amazing message. This is for everyone. Now, have you noticed that I didn't just say anyone? I said everyone. And I said that really specifically. Because when you say anyone, it kind of feels like, oh, you want to come? Yeah, anyone can come. That's fine. We'll make space. You want to? Yeah, yeah, anyone's welcome here. But this isn't just anyone. This is everyone. This is every single person. You see, the Bible said that God designed Every single person, he designed, he planned uniquely and brilliantly by God, every single person. And then God made every single person in that unique and wonderful design in love. So that means that however you came into the world, wherever you came into the world, and once you've been in the world, however you've been brought up, whatever experiences you've had, whatever's been said of you, whatever you've said of yourselves, whatever you've believed, whatever you've not believed. The Bible tells us that God designed you in love. God made you in love. And when God did that, he was doing it because he had plans for you, beautiful plans of what he wanted to do in relationship with you in his perfect and relentless love. And the the thing that God said, God really clearly set up, was being in relationship with him, was actually being in relationship with his family. So Jesus said, I want you to know my father. I want him to become your father. I want you to become my brothers and sisters. So being in a relationship with God is also being in a relationship with his family. And when I talk about family, I'm not just talking about Birmingham Vineyard Church. I'm talking about the wide family of everybody who says that they want to be in a relationship with God. Everybody who's made that choice. And that means that if God planned and designed you and made you to be in relationship with him, then God also planned and designed you and made you to be a part of this family. So that means that the welcome is genuine and sincere for every single person to be part of this family. There is a genuine, U-shaped, unique space as part of God's family. There is something that only you can bring 
that nobody else can, just by being who God created you to be with the gifts that God gave you. And I am so sorry if you have not felt that welcome. I'm so sorry if a Christian somewhere or a church somewhere has said to you that you're not welcome for whatever reason, because that's not God's heart and that is not true. There is a space for you, prepared, planned, ready for you to accept and step into it. The third thing that Hosea shows us about this welcome is it's a welcome into a relationship with God is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you've done. Again, we can see that. This story of Hosea, the Israelites totally messed up. But the welcome's still there. It's unconditional. His welcome to us and his love for us will never, has never depended on our performance or on our behavior. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we don't do. It's rooted in God's unchangeable decision to love us. And it's really important to know that if you're not a Christian, that it doesn't matter what you've done and it doesn't matter what you haven't done. But it's really important for us to know that for those of us that are Christians. Because for those of us that have said yes, and that have stepped into a relationship with God, we still mess up, don't we? Um, I'm the oldest of four children. Have we got any older siblings here? Yeah. Any oldest of four? On my own, okay. (laughs) I don't know if you heard this phrase, but the phrase I constantly heard growing up, and it still gives me shivers, and it still makes me think, oh, no. Um, And I have to stop saying it over myself. You should have known better. Is Is that what you've heard? Anyone heard that? You should have known better. I think this is something that we very easily slip into saying over ourselves as Christians. I should have known better than doing that. I shouldn't get this angry. I should be able to know better than spreading gossip. I should be able to freely and easily love my spouse. The list can go on of all the things that we should know better about doing. But if ever God could have said, you should have known better, Surely it would have been in this situation when Hosea couldn't have made it clearer to the people what they needed to do. And did God say you should have known better? No, of course he didn't. He didn't say it to them and he doesn't say it to you. Because although we've been given so much and although we have this amazing opportunity of relationship and love with God, although he helps us so much to be like him, we are actually not God. I don't know if that's a surprise to anyone here, but we're not. (laughs) We're not perfect. We're still human. And actually, wrong not only comes natural, but it's pretty easy to do. Sometimes it's even easier than doing the right thing. And sometimes doing the wrong thing actually makes us feel better. It's really hard to explain to a child why they shouldn't do some of the things. And we all have our weaknesses because we're unique. We have our own weaknesses that are unique to us as well, things that we're going to be tempted to slip into. And it says in the Bible that all fall short. So do you hear that now? You're not expected to be perfect. Just because it says we all fall short, that doesn't make it just okay. When we do those things, it actually does stop us from fully stepping into who God created us to be. And sometimes those things can hurt us. They can hurt others. They can cause discord. And God doesn't say in this verse, oh, it's okay. You're human. Just carry on. That's fine. (laughs) You've just made a mistake. Don't worry about it, don't you? In fact, he doesn't say that, but neither does he put shame on you for it. He doesn't say it's okay, but he doesn't say you have to sit in the shame of it. What does he say? In this chapter, God's only mention of what they did wrong was when he said, I will heal their waywardness. I will heal their waywardness. He didn't say, you need to go away 
You need to sort yourself out. You need to prove to me that you will never do that again, and then you can come back. He said, come back, and I'll do it with you. That's what I'm here for. The welcome of God is into a relationship with him built on relentless love. It's for everyone, and it's unconditional. So I could invite you to come to my house, which I love having people at my house. Oh, don't come at once. Not everyone all at once. <laughs> Definitely don't have the space for that. Um, when you come to my house, I could say, oh, come in, give me a coat, come sit down. What can I get you to drink? Um, and that welcome will be there for you. But that welcome can only be fully realized if you actually come in from the doorstep. If you refuse, I can't properly welcome you. Or if you come in but don't give me a coat, or you refuse to sit down, or you don't tell me what you want to drink, or you don't accept it, you can't fully realise the welcome that I've got for you. And that's the same with God. We have this amazing welcome. Actually, it's like no other welcome, but knowing about it just isn't enough. We've got to accept it. And as Christians, we have to accept that again and again. So how do we accept it? Well, Hosea um, helps us to kind of think through that as well. Whether it's the first time that you accept it and you step into a relationship with God, or whether you need to step further into that welcome and further into that relationship today, the opportunity is the same. The first thing that he says is to come and hear. You've come, great news. Hopefully you're hearing. Some of you are nodding, so it looks like you might be. And then the next thing that Hosea goes on to talk about is repentance. And in this version, it talks about, and in some other versions, it talks about confession and repentance. I don't know if when I say that, it makes you go, <laughs> because sometimes those words can carry real baggage for people, can't they? It may be that you've been brought up in negative and shameful experiences around confession or around repentance. It might be that you've got a certain idea about what that means, and that, that just doesn't sit very well with you. Well, confession is naming what you've done, and repentance is being sorry for something that you've done and making up your mind to do what's right. So if you have any kind of um, shame about it or uneasiness with it, just know that that's not God's heart. That has never been God's heart or message about this. There's not one point in this last thing that Hosea tells the Israelites where we're told to be ashamed of themselves. You should be ashamed of yourselves for what you've done. They're not told that. We're not told to sit in shame. I guess part of it is that sorry does not come naturally, does it? Maybe if you think it comes naturally for you, I could give you my daughters for a day. <laughs> and you can try and learn what it is to help them to be in a relationship and get things wrong and reconcile that relationship because I don't think it does come natural. Um, in our family, we've done a lot of trial and error, mostly error, <laughs> working out how we work through this. And we've worked out that actually what we need to do in our family is we need to name what we're sorry for. So it's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. We need to say, I'm sorry for. I'm sorry for saying that thing I said. I'm sorry for taking that away from you. And there's loads of reasons we do it. We do it because sometimes we don't know what we've done. And so if you just say sorry, if you don't know what you've done, it kind of, you think it's over, but you're going to do it again, aren't you? That's usually me. I get a look for Rolly and I think, oh, <laughs> I've done something. I'm very sorry. Can you just tell me what I need to be sorry for right now? <laughs> 
Sometimes we have to be, we say sorry because we need someone to understand. So when I apologize to my children, they might not know what I'm sorry for unless I say to them, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to try not to do that again. Sometimes it's because, you know, when something explodes and there's loads of emotions and, and it's a long time, you've got to get everyone to calm down and you forget what actually happened in the first place. You just end up in stuck in the, like, the little bit afterwards. So sometimes naming it helps us to remember what actually happened. Sometimes it means we can talk through it together and we can talk about how we're not going to do it again, how we might do it differently. We can help each other out. Actually, that probably wasn't helpful. Shall I do this for you next time? And we name it because we're more likely to remember it, aren't we? If we say it out, we're more likely to remember it and not do it again. So we don't, in our family, we don't name it because we want anyone to feel shame for it. We don't want them to take it on and be something. We name it so that we can move on from it and we can learn from it. If anyone's ever had any counselling or anything to do with addictions, you know that naming things, saying them out loud, is really important. So one of the times I had some counselling, it was really a valuable time for me to speak out the things that I'd done wrong. So in this situation, I didn't know any better, even though I probably couldn't have done anything any differently to the way that I did. And even though um, things weren't my fault, it was so valuable for me to go through and learn from the things that I would do differently next time, to name those things so that I wouldn't be in that same situation, whatever else happened around me. And so that as I look back over time, I don't sit in the shame of maybe some things that I didn't do, that even if I didn't know them at the time, that can bring shame later on. We name them. It's helpful. And that's why Hosea says this. Not to wallow, not for shame, but to move on, to help in understanding, to not do it again. Because when it's unnamed, it can become like a hidden secret, something that brings shame, something that's undealt with and grows. And what I love about Hosea is, I mean, it has been 10 years since they've done it. So Hosea's like treating them like children. He's like, just in case you don't know, here's the list of things that you can speak out loud to say that you're sorry for. Here's what you can name. These are what you did wrong in this situation. He helps them. And it's the same for us. The Bible says, in order to accept the relationship with God, all you have to do, all you have to do is confess and repent. Name it. Name the things that have separated you from God and separated you from who God designed you to be. Name the things that Jesus died for and saved you from having to pay. Name it and then move on. Hear it, name it, claim it. Once you've claimed it, you've moved on. Choose to claim the truth of who God created you to be. Choose to claim the truth that you don't have to live in whatever shame that is anymore. Choose to believe it. Choose to claim the love that has been waiting for you the whole time. So accepting this relationship with God is quite simple, isn't it? That's all you need to do. It's no mumbo-jumbo, no flashing lights, no sacrificial animals or rituals or, or not even a set formula of what to say. You come to God, you name it, you claim it. And then the best part is you get to live in it. I absolutely love. I thought I had a different favorite part of the Bible, but I absolutely love this part of the Bible now, where God tells the people what it means to live in relationship with him. I mean, these verses are the most beautiful imagery, and it just shows everything that God wants to give to you in relationship with you. Just how much, what does it say? I will love them lavishly, and it feels like lavishing, doesn't it? This amazing, extravagant, abundant giving is just poured onto the people. This imagery of nature in its most brilliant. David Attenborough would have a field day with this, wouldn't he? 
And if you were to pick it apart, these verses, you'd see that there's, there's um, something about freshness. There's something about stability. There's something about vigor, which is like robust energy and vitality. What an amazing picture of what God wants to do for us. It's not stifling. It's not restrictive. It's not limiting. It's not making you feel any less. Actually, it's more. It's amazing. And Israel would learn through years of trials, failures, captivity, exile, that there's no fullness of life that's separate from God. And no love can compare to the relentless love that God has for his people. And I can tell you that for my own life as well. I can tell you that my life has been hard. I've made a lot of mistakes. I don't always get things the way I want. And in fact, the past probably six months for me have been some of the hardest that I've felt in a long time. There have been days where I thought, how am I going to get through this day? I don't think I have the energy. I don't think I have the brain capacity. How am I going to make the choices I need to make at the moment? I've had a really tough bit of time. But I can tell you this, that through that time, I can't even describe any better than Hosea. The abundance the joy, the freshness, the stability, the vigor that I have because I have a relationship with God. I receive that from being in a relationship with God, from belonging to his family and from the relentless love that I live in. It's every bit as amazing and beautiful as that passage says. So Hosea ends this and we're encouraged and he encourages Israel to listen to learn, to follow what God wants for them, and then he leaves them with a choice. And that's what we're going to have today. So we've come, we've listened, and now we have the opportunity to experience the fullness of this love and relationship for ourselves. I love this bit in Ephesians where it says, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be, under, be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, how high his love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. So it might be that you want to choose to accept the welcome of a relationship God, with God and to become part of God's family for the first time today or for the first time in a really long time. And there's a chance for you to do that. Maybe you want to come back. Maybe you want to return from being in the right place and stepping into all that God has for you. Or maybe just even this week, there's been a part of you that's just slipped away. It's just slipped into that stuff that's not God's best for you. And maybe today there's an opportunity to just come back to God, to receive that welcome again, to receive more of his love that he wants to lavish onto you. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to a relationship with God. And I'm going to do it a little bit differently, maybe. I'm going to ask you all in a minute to close your eyes or to put your heads down, whatever is best. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to pray this prayer for yourself, um, I'm going to encourage you to do that. And I'm going to ask everyone to keep their eyes closed or their heads down. And I'm going to ask you that if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or for the first time in a very long time, I'd like to look up, I'd like to make eye contact with me. I'm not going to ask you to do a jog around the hall. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to name you. I just want to know. <laughs> I just want to be able to celebrate with you. So if you look at me, I'm going to think that you've become a Christian today, okay? That's how it goes right there. 
And so this is your chance now to step into a relationship with God for the very first time or the first time in a long time. So will you pray with me, please? I'd like to ask everyone to put their heads down or to close their eyes. God, I thank you so much for the welcome that I have to be in a relationship with you. I thank you that you made me and designed me to be in relationship with you. I thank you that you have brilliant plans for me about what we will do together in a relationship with you. And I'm sorry for those things that I've done that have separated me from you. Whether I knew that I was doing them and I knew how much they were or not. But I thank you because you did everything to bring me back into relationship with you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the price he paid. And I'm going to claim that today. I'm going to claim the opportunity to be in a relationship with you. And I'm going to accept the life of living in abundance and in your relentless love today. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.